You're listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church San Diego. For more information on our church, go to c3sandiego.com. I'm excited because we got three leaders that are about to bring the word tonight. The first one leads our college ministry, leads our young adult ministry right here at Central Campus. And uh, he's one of the finest people you're ever going to meet. Recently married, so now he's got, you know, marriage strength on him. And uh, just a man of God and has a word. He's a disciple-making machine. And he's a man of faith. He stepped out in faith to come to our church without a job, without anything, just believing that God was moving him in a different direction. And, uh, and now he's just been flourishing ever since he's been here. We just love him. Uh, Sterling Pyle. And uh, so he's going he's gonna to kick it off. He's going to lead us off. And then we have another leader. We have another leader, Melissa Higginbottom. Pastor Melissa and her husband Colin uh, run our Pathfinders Marketplace ministry. And uh, ever since she came on to the Pathfinders team, Pathfinders just went through the roof. And um, so we, we just love having Melissa. And you guys have been here for a long time, all the way from Seattle. And they've probably launched out like 100 connect groups out of their original connect group back in the day. And Melissa is somebody that makes everybody feel comfortable and loved. So if you've ever been around here for any amount of time, you just feel welcome, you feel loved. And so we just love you, Melissa. And then we have another leader, the leader of our Emerge Men's Ministry, Pastor Jeff Forbes. And uh, I'm not sure if you realize this, but people all over the world call him and ask him, how do you guys do your Emerge Men's Ministry? And so he's, he's uh, He's leading the way in our men's ministry. Just a powerhouse preacher. He's got a, just a crazy anointing on his life. He's been through a little bit in his life, but uh, I'm not going to steal his thunder. He's an extraordinary man of God. And um, why don't you stand to your feet, because we're about to get this thing, get this party started. So why don't you, so here's what we're going to do. They're just going to preach and pass, preach and pass. So right now is your chance to cheer for Mr. Pyle's going to kick us off, then Melissa, then Jeff Forbes. Come on, Central Campus. Five o'clock service. Come on, people getting baptized tonight. Over 40 people making a decoration. Come on, if Yoda can get baptized, revival is upon us. Revival is upon us. I love, I love the five o'clock service. I love Sundays. I love, you guys can be seated, absolutely. I love the Sunday after Christmas. Because everyone's showing up to church with the new duds, the new watches, some new jewelry, brand new shirts. But some of y'all, some of y'all aren't telling the truth because someone will compliment, oh my gosh, those shoes are amazing, and you've been acting like you just have had them for a while. Oh, these old things? Turn to your neighbor, tell them they look amazing tonight. I love the five o'clock service. I love Central Campus. Does anyone love Central Campus? I love our campus pastors here. You guys made the cutest humans the world has ever seen. You guys are phenomenal leaders. You guys appreciate the Heinrichs, Pastor John, Pastor Becky. I love getting to build Central with you guys, do this whole thing with you. But everything that we do, everything that we get to be, everything that we get to, to build is because of Pastor Jurgen and Pastor Leanne. 
And I love that video of them just showing who they are, why they came here. I, I feel like Santa is really confused around Christmas time when it comes to the Matesia's house. He has a naughty nice list. Pastor Leanne is for sure on the nice list. But somehow Pastor Jurgen's name has shown up on both the naughty and the nice list. It's a little confusing for him, but love them, want to honor them. Let's get our Bibles out. We're going to turn to Genesis chapter 22. It's at the very front of the Bible. I'm going to throw a quick backstory at you. But my message tonight, I don't know if they have it up there or not. It's called, You Want Me to What? You want me to what? Here's some backstory. This is the story of Abraham and Isaac, famous Bible story. And God has promised Abraham a son. He told him, you're going to have a son, you and your wife, Sarah, and through him, a great nation is going to be established. And so Abraham and Sarah go on this journey of faith and trusting God and see a miracle happen. She becomes pregnant at the, I think she's 89 years old. Abraham is 100 when his son Isaac is born. And they encounter this amazing miracle that God has set before them. But, but then God decides that he's going to test Abraham. And you know where this story is going. God tells him to take Isaac up to a mountaintop and to sacrifice him. This puts Abraham in a position for his obedience to be tested. This is like obedience on steroids. I don't know if God has ever asked you to sacrifice your oldest child. I know some of the parents in here might have thought they heard God say that. <laughs> We're going to pray for you a separate time. But this is obedience on steroids. Point number one, if you're taking notes today, is choose to obey before you are asked. Choose to obey before you are asked. Obedience sign is your choice, church. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 22. This is verse two, the NIV version. God told Abraham, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. So Abraham took Isaac, two servants, and a donkey and set off on the 50-mile journey. You imagine packing up for that trip? He's already decided in his mind that he's going to obey. For him to even pack the mules, get the servants, get his son, and to even begin this journey to some mountain that God's going to tell him about, he's already decided and resolved in his heart that he's going to obey God. I love this. Abraham took, two, took Isaac, two servants, and a donkey and set off on the 50-mile journey. When they arrived, Abraham ordered the servants to wait with the donkey while he and Isaac went up the mountain. He told the men, we will worship, and then we will come back to you. This is a powerful piece of scripture here because Abraham has already seen God's character be tried, tested, and true in his life, hasn't he? God told him, you're going to have a son. God delivered on his promise. A miracle happens in his life. And so God has put a deposit of trust into Abraham. God knows that when Abraham says something, that he's going to follow through with it. There's this trust that's been built here. And so I love this, that he says that we will come back to you. So he's saying, even if I have to end up killing him, you're either going to raise him from the dead, or we're going to find another sacrifice, which we, we know ends up happening. I love that he's made the decision to obey God before he even walks up the mountain. Obeying God because he's seen God's character in the past. The question I want to ask us today is how many of us, if we were really honest with ourselves, if we really took the pulse of our life, how many of us would say that we're ready and willing to obey God before he asks us to? You have to decide in your heart. You have to be resolved. You have to be certain that no matter what he asks me to do, because I've seen him be tried, tested, and true, sounded like something out of a Dr. Seuss book, that you're going to obey whatever he's asking you to do. Obedience on steroids. Point number two, I'm moving along quickly, is God is a and then God. Get to know me for any amount of time, I'm an and then guy. 
What starts off as just dinner is, and then let's go see a movie. And then let's go get ice cream. And then let's invite our friends over. And then let's play cards. And then let's have a sleep. It just, I'm the and then guy. I'm the and then guy. I'm married now. I can do whatever I want. Abraham is committed to obedience. Isaac asked his father where the lamb was for the sacrifice, and Abraham answered that the Lord would provide the lamb. Saddened and confused. Can I tell you, you may not always understand what God is asking you to do. It may not make you feel like you want to obey. You may not have great, excited feelings for what he's asking you to do. Saddened and confused, Abraham bound Isaac with ropes and placed him on the stone altar, ready to obey. Ready to obey. I love this, is that he did not have delayed obedience. Delayed obedience, my friends, is still disobedience. Made the decision in his heart, I'm going to obey God. I'm going to take Isaac up on the mountain. Puts his son on the altar, ready to obey. Here's where God shows up, really cool. Just as Abraham raised a knife to slay his son, the angel of the Lord called out to Abraham to stop and not harm the boy. Close one. The angel said he knew, he knew, he knew that Abraham feared the Lord because he had not withheld his only son. When Abraham looked up, he saw a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. He sacrificed the animal provided by God instead of his son. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham and said, Abraham makes this decision, right, to obey. Moments before, the knife is drawn. He's about to sacrifice Isaac, and he's stopped. And because of his obedience, I love what the angel says. He gives him an and then. Because you obeyed, and then this is going to happen. You're going to do this, and this is going to happen. You went here, now this is going to happen. The angel gives, he delivers this and then from God. He says, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that's how you know it's a good promise, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand of the seashore. He'd already promised Abraham this. He's reaffirming his promise to him. He's reaffirming to what he's already told him, that this son that was a miracle to you that is actually going to end up happening the way that I said that it would because you haven't withheld him, because you've obeyed. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Abraham is forced to either trust God with something that meant the world to him, what mattered to him most, or to distrust God. And he makes the decision to trust him and to obey. And because of his obedience, all the promises that God had lined up for him, we, we, we see it in the rest of scripture, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then Jacob has 12 sons. They become the, the 12 tribes of Israel. And through that line, Jesus Christ enters the planet thousands of years later. So because of his obedience, God gives him an and then. Because you obeyed me, now I can move on your behalf. How many of us are ready and willing to obey God before he asks us? And I'm telling you that every time that you choose to obey God, you're going to see him and then God, and then God, and then God. There's always a God, there's always a God ending at the, at the other side of obedience. And so tonight, I know we're in Shredder Sunday. I love this. I was actually, uh, one of my first Sundays here last year was on a Shredder Sunday. And Pastor John quickly alluded to that I, I transitioned to, the, to C3. I like to say I married into C3. <laughs> married my beautiful wife, but was pastoring in another church, and she was heart and soul here. I was heart and soul there. And very quickly, our relationship progressed. Started dating her. I was like, dude, this is the girl. Like, bought a ring like two months after I started dating her. I was like, let's go. But right away, but right away, we saw there was a decision to be made. It was a really easy one. Either she was going to come where I was, or I was going to come here. 
And the truth is, is that for, for a few months, I was not even open to the idea of praying about it because I was heart and soul there. It didn't make sense to me. I was confused. It didn't line up for what I was, had been seeing for my future. But I heard God. I heard God, and he said, go to C3. I've got an assignment there for you. You're going to get to do it with your wife. I'm like, okay. So here's what I've learned this year, church. Even though it didn't line up, I was giving up uh, a job that I just walked away from because I heard God. I gave up uh, a, a relationship with, with a church that I loved, uh, pastors that I love, people that I love. I'd given five years of my life to this thing. And so it didn't line up naturally, but because I heard God, I made the decision to obey. And can I tell you that he and then my life like times 100? He and then my life. Married to the most amazing girl, getting to do exactly what I'm passionate about, what I've always hoped and dreamt and believed that I would get to do with the people that I've fallen in love with. But I'm telling you, if I hadn't chosen to obey God, my end then would have never have happened. But here's what it's done even more. It's matured me. So now, the next time that hard stuff comes up and I have to make a decision where I know God has spoken to me, I know that I need to do, I know that I can't delay this anymore, now I've got it inside of me. I've got this resolute. I'm going to obey God before he asks. Before he even asks me, my heart is in a posture and a position to obey him. Tonight, my friends, I hope that you're encouraged. Maybe one of the things that you write down on this card is my doubt. Maybe delayed obedience is one of the things that you write down. Maybe fear. I think there's people in here. God has spoken to you to do something, but you're delaying it. You haven't moved into obedience yet. And so you're wondering where your and then is. But God is a God of obey and then. Obey and then. Love you guys. Let's give it up for Pastor Melissa. Thank you. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. All right. Always want to honor Pastor Jurgen and Leanne, of course. None of us would be here without them. Always want to honor our campus pastors. Just why did I have to go after that? Yeah, yeah, so looks, looks like a GQ model, but preaches better than T.D. Jakes. Watch out, world, and we got him, woo! But at least I get to go before Jeff Forbes. God. I still remember the first time I met you, Jeff, Carmel Valley Middle School. Glory was pregnant, invited Jeff to connect group. Guess what Jeff's response was? Dude, I don't sit around and talk about my feelings. I'm not coming. <laughs> I said, great, because next week we're playing softball and we're, we're against the Fuller's Connect group, so we need you to come help us win. And he was like, I'm there. And so they came. We went, well, we never, anyways, that's a long story because the lights went out. We couldn't finish the game. We still need to finish the game. Rematch. But it's so fun to be leading along some incredible people. I'm just going to take you on a quick little journey here um, and just share some, some stuff that I had to shred, some mindsets that were holding me back, causing bitterness, you know, not trusting leaders, and some stuff I've never shared before. So we're going to go. But my story is kind of involved in, in taking you through a journey in church leadership, but really this applies to your workplace, your marketplace, you know, wherever you are, where, where you feel like you are a leader and you are called to be promoted and God's shown you this, but you're here and you're just kind of waiting. So my title is In the Waiting. We moved here um, eight years ago from Seattle on a word from God. We obeyed God 
and moved here, didn't know anyone. We were very, very high-level leaders at our church in Seattle, had been there for a long time. So coming here, we really felt like we had to start all over because they didn't know us from anyone. So they don't want some crazy person just leading and start prophesying all over people, like, you know. So, so they take some time, you know, as good shepherds do to get to know you, let you soak in the culture. So we were okay with that. We were okay with that. I was working in kids' church, um, even though I don't really like other people's kids too much besides Dallas. And Colin was on the usher team, you guys. Colin was on the usher team, yes. So we just start soaking and serving, and we're like, okay, we're really ready. God showed us all this, you know, and we're just like, okay, Psalms 37.5. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him, and he will help you. Yeah, well, I didn't do that all the way, all the way. <laughs> I tried to slide myself in and start self-promoting myself and talking about how amazing we were. Like, do you know, do you know, do you know where we came from? Do you know who we are? And I literally handed one of the leaders back in the day a CD of Pastor Colin preaching. And I was like, you got to listen to this. Oh, my gosh. But it was a really good word on, like, don't be a potty training Christian. You know, the Christians that are always, like, making messes and expect other people to clean them up. It's a really good word. We should get that back out. But all that to say... The reason, the reason I gave the pastor the word not was, well, it was a good word, but my motive was see how awesome we are because I don't want to wait any longer and I want you to promote me. I want to promote myself. So we just kept praying. We're like, all right, we're just going to do our due diligence. God said, do what you can. Minister to who's in your world now. Be faithful with what you have. So we started getting more and more responsibility. We started our connect group. Our connect group was soaring. We started with the Fullers. We had to, like John said, we had to multiply off again and again and again. We just kept filling our house, and it was so incredible. So we stayed faithful. But it was kind of like I felt like we had been kind of put in this plane, and we had been put, pulled out of the gate. We're ready to take people. Like, we're called to take people, you know, leader of leaders. We're called to take people to their destiny. Show people, you know, what, what convergence means. Take people into, like, this best life. But we're just sitting there, and we felt like we just were sitting there. So we're like, okay, we're just going to continue being faithful, even though I want to just take this plane off and start taking more people, bigger things. Um, and then finally came along, we were asked to get stepped to another level, another level of leadership, get promoted to the cherished leadership team. We got to start Pathfinders. Woo! And we're like, yes! So we felt like we were taking off. And then honestly, the hardest part of the journey for me came because that was so much fun. And I felt like we were starting to live out what we were called to do. But then I, I was ready for more. I was like, God, you've shown me all these other things. You've shown this and that. And, and, um, and I feel like I want to lay on this plane. I want to lay on this plane. I want a bigger plane. I want more people. I want to help more people. I want to do this. I want to do that. But I felt like God just put me in this holding pattern. And I was in the air, and I just had this vision of this holding pattern. And a holding pattern is a maneuver designed to delay an aircraft already in flight while keeping it within a specified airspace. So I didn't really understand. I didn't really understand because we thought we were doing so good. Everything was going so well. But as I started to dig deeper, I realized I had some mindsets that I needed to shred before we could be trusted with more. And I think my first mindset was I had to really realize that was delay is not a setback. Delay is not a demotion. I was not, we were not getting demoted. Everything that God had showed us we were going to rebuild here and then some was still going to come. But I really had to trust God and I really had to trust leadership. 
so I'm like, okay, if they're seeing that, this is going to be hard. But once I realized they had the people's best interest in mind, because they don't want to hurt anyone in here, and our best interest in mind, then I could really, really do like some deep soul searching of what was still in me that it's not healthy that I need to deal with and shred and get out. And there was a lot. It was like, I thought I've, I've been through deliverance like 50 times. Like, I shouldn't have this much. But God was slowly bringing stuff up, and he started bringing things up. And I realized I had so many insecurities that had started as a child. And I really had this, like, second best spirit that was, like, driving me. We're always just, like, felt this lie in my head. Like, you're good, but you're not as good as. You'll never be as good as. You're always going to be second place. You're always going to, I did a dance competition, and I should have got first, people. And I got second. But the enemy uses those kind of things to get you to see you're always going to be second place. You're always going to be in the background of your husband. You're always going to be this. And so I realized that, yeah, I did. I really do care, and I really did have a heart to help people. But honestly, my primary motive to lead and to speak was to get affirmation from people, was to get the people that I was leading tell me how amazing I was. And to realize that I had something inside of me that was so rooted from so long ago, but also just so, like, I don't want to be motivated by those things. But it's really hard to not be because those thoughts are just constantly there. But see, when you have that kind of a hole in your heart, it doesn't matter how amazing and how much affirmation and how much leadership you get to do and get back. It's never going to get filled. It's never going to be enough. So I, again, just started self-promoting myself, like trying to push myself. You know, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to step into this. And, and um, I really just felt God, you know, talk about 1 Corinthians 12, 7, where a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other, not, not to fill the void in your heart, not, not to promote yourself. And he kept me in this holding pattern. And really, I was keeping myself in this holding pattern because I was trying to feed my insecurities. And so I was just like, oh, my gosh. So I really did. I just started praying. And I would, you know, pray. And then I would be over here blaming God. And then I would be pray. And then I would be over here blaming leadership. I felt so underappreciated. I'm like, they are so overlooking at me. I'm so awesome. But I really did. I felt really overlooked. I felt very underappreciated. I just felt all these things that were just feeding all of this inside of me. But really, God was showing me that there are different types of holding patterns. Different types of holding patterns are established based on the purpose and the phase of flight. So the phase of flight I was in is just, I want your motives to get healthier. I want your heart and soul to be so connected to me that you don't need the affirmation from then to fill you that you need the affirmation from me. Now, I'm not saying don't tell me I'm awesome because I still love to hear it. <laughs> I just know that I'm awesome now, and whether you say it or not. But, but I get it from God. I get it in that season. And so being around healthy leaders who show you how to trust in the Lord with all your heart, do not lean on your own understanding, even like Serling was saying, like even when you don't understand what's happening, even if you don't understand, even when you realize, oh my gosh, I don't understand, I really felt like I dealt with some of that inner stuff and it comes back up, just, just deal with it again. 
shred it again. Do the hard work to put it behind you. I needed to trust God. I needed to do the hard work. I needed to get my motives right so I wouldn't hurt people and I wouldn't hurt myself. And now I just can't even believe the level of peace that I have in my whole life, the level of leadership that we have been trusted with here. I mean, the most influential cargo in the world that we get to get trusted with. And it's all because of God just highlighting some things. Why I was in this holding pattern up there, not understanding why I couldn't land and do more bigger things. But God was just getting me ready. And God is going to do that for every single person in here. And I, and I really believe that as you start to do that, whatever part of this in, God is going to start to reveal anything that's keeping you in a holding pattern. Wherever you are in your leadership at work or at church or wherever it is, God's going to show you what that is and start to reveal those things that are keeping you in that holding pattern so we can all shred it tonight and soar together. Yes? Yeah. Pastor Melissa, you threw me under the bus. You threw me under the bus. <laughs> What's going on, guys? What's going on, Central Campus? Uh, Pastor John and Becky, I love you guys. Uh, excited for everything we have going on here, and I just, uh, I'm thankful to be here on this platform. I'm thankful to have the opportunity to, to share my feelings, Pastor Melissa, uh, with you guys and share, share how I feel about certain things. Uh, I just need to honor Pastor Jurgen because I feel that he's a great person, a great leader. I'm in my feels right now, thank you. I'm gonna go jump straight in. Tonight I'm gonna talk about circumcision. All the dudes in here say, nah, player. So there, it, the Bible talks about circumcision all the time, actually. The first time we see circumcision is in Genesis 17. In Genesis 17, God goes to Abraham and says, yo, Abraham, guess what? I know you're like 90, but I need everybody, every dude in your house to get circumcised because that's going to be the mark of the covenant I've given to you. Everybody under your roof, I need to get circumcised. And so Abraham at 90 years old lines them up, bam, 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 everybody's circumcised. <laughs> Awkward. That would have been the day I was like, see, the way my schedule is set up, uh, I'm supposed to be in the field right now. You know, but then you fast forward. See, circumcision, that was, that was the act that marked the covenant. So fast forward now. Uh, uh, we're, in, we're in Joshua 5. Joshua 5, and, and again, God appears to Joshua and says, oh, Joshua. He says this. If you open your Bible to Joshua 5, 2 through 8, it, sa it says, at this time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives unsanitary and circumcise the Israelites again. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites at, I don't know how to pronounce that, Gilgal. Now, this is why he did so. All those who came out of Egypt, all the men of military age died in the wilderness on their way after leaving Egypt. All the people that came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness during the journey of Egypt from Egypt had not. The Israelites had moved about the wilderness for 40 years. That's a long car ride. Until the men were of military age when they left Egypt had died, since they had not obeyed the Lord. 
for the Lord had sworn to them they would not see the land he had solemnly promised their ancestors to give them. So he raised up their sons in their place, and those who were, those who were with Joshua were circumcised. They were, they were circumcised, and after the entire nation had been circumcised, they remained in camp until they had been, been made whole. The title of my message tonight is called, whoops, sorry, A Time to Be Made Whole. See, in the passage above, there's actually three profound things. Uh, the first thing that we come across is, is the circumcision. See, the circumcision was, it was God saying, I need to cut everything off of you that's been, that you've been carrying for the last 40 years if you're going to get where I'm calling you to be. That's the first thing. And see, I'm sure for, for people tonight, there are things that God is trying to cut off you this evening. Now, God is not some mean, evil God, but guess what? God does not want us to continue to operate in sin. Now, I'm going to talk about my feelings for a second. I'm going to talk about my feelings for a second. There has been a time where God has said, hey, Jeff, I'm going to cut everything off you that is of the flesh. I'm going to cut everything off you that's carnal. I'm going to cut everything off of you because the life that I have for you and your family is too big. You cannot go past where you're at right now if you do not allow me to step in and start cutting things off you. And I'm going to tell you something else, y'all. When God starts cutting something off you, it's painful. Ask the Israelites. They should have been circumcised as kids. You wouldn't have remembered. But you, you circumcise a 90-year-old dude, you're never going to forget that. You're never going to forget that. And I'm, I'm going to talk about something. God come. <laughs> Woo, here we go. I, in the past, have struggled with deceit and manipulation. And it was, it, was, it was something that has been passed down, and it used to be a survival mechanism. I would, uh, I would lie to hide what was happening at home. I, I, would, I would manipulate how things were viewed just, just to protect myself, protect my, uh, my, 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 my little safe space. I'm a millennial, but yeah, we safe space. It's uh, protect what's around me. And, and, and I, I, I very remember... Um, God saying, I, Jeff, see, I, you didn't deal with this, so now I have to. Wow. Because I have a call on your life, and you're not going to reach where you're going unless I now forcefully deal with this. And let me tell you all, it's painful to deal with something as an adult you should have dealt with as a kid. Wow. It's painful. See, uh, I, don't, I don't heal as fast as my kids. I don't heal as fast. It's a little bit more painful. The recovery is different. The recovery is different. When God starts cutting on you when you're an adult, you're going to remember how that feels. And my only prayer, my prayer was, God, if you're going to start cutting on me, if you're going to cut everything out right now, go deep enough. I don't want to do this again, God. So get it all. And, and here's the thing, here's the thing. God, if you got to take some healthy flesh with it, that's okay. Because guess what? I'm going to wear that scar with pride. Like, see, hey, God, God cut it off me, but hey, it didn't kill me. It just made me strong. I got somewhere to go. I got somewhere to go. The second thing in this scripture, I got to move fast. The second thing in this scripture is you have to surrender to the process. See, in scripture, it doesn't say that Joshua circumcised all of them at, at knife point or spear point. They voluntarily like said, all right, yeah, well. And I'm, I understand, I now understand why they said, all right. 
Because in Exodus, God said, hey, I'm going to give you this land. I'm going to give you this land. And so once they crossed over the Jordan River, they were like, oh, this is the land he was talking about. This is the land we were promised. God will always give you a glimpse of a promise and then see if you want to go through the process. I'm going to show, God says, I'm going to show you something. I'm going to show you something. Now, if you really, if this is what I'm telling you, this is my promise to you, but are you willing to endure what I need to get off you? So he shows them a glimpse of the promised land, and then God speaks to Joshua and says, now circumcise them all. Circumcise them all. And the guy's just, dee 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 Line them up. Line them up. Line them up. Now, I said a minute ago that the, <laughs> the third thing you can learn in this scripture, in this passage, is, is uh, the, actually the title of my message. It's called A Time to Be Made Whole. Because he says to them, you will stay in place until you're made whole. Now, uh, staying in place is not a setback, like Pastor Melissa said. You're going to stay in place. See, some people don't want to let God actually start working on them because they think they're going to lose something. Oh, if I, if I, bring, if I bring this issue, if I bring this, this deceit to my leader, they're going to say, Jeff, oh, you're unqualified. Jeff, oh, you're just, you're, it's, it's, this is too dark. That's what people believe. That's a lie from the enemy. That's a lie. It's a twisted. It's twisted. You know, I'm going to get real, real. Pastor Jurgen and I had a conversation. And he said, Jeff, I, I, I love you, and I, you're, you're my guy, and, and there's, things, there's things that you do phenomenally well. A lot of things you do extraordinary, but there's just a little chink in your armor. There's just a little something that sometimes when you say things, there's a little hiss on the end. A little, a little, just a little something on the end. Like, and I think you deal with an issue of being deceitful and manipulative. And I'm not, I, Jeff, we all deal with things. I'm glad you came to me. I'm glad this happened. I'm glad this happened because now I know. Now I know that you are ready to let God start working on you. Now I know that you are here. I want to I talk to somebody real quick. <laughs> a time to be made whole. If you, start, if you go to God and say, God, remove everything that is stopping me from getting to where I'm supposed to be. Remove everything. It doesn't matter. God, I just get it all. Get it all, God. Stay a while to be made whole. The problem is people go, go to God and they say, God, I, I don't want to be like this anymore. I don't, I don't want to act like this anymore. I don't want to have that. I don't want people to think that about me anymore. And God gets to cutting, and guess what? People are like, yo, I'm out. I'm out. And the thing about that that's so, that's so twisted, it's so twisted that what ends up happening is God has cut you and, and you're supposed to be recovering, and what you end up doing is you go from relationship to relationship to job to four or five different churches bleeding on everybody. Instead of just sitting your behind in a chair and saying, God, I'm here no matter what. 
I'm here no matter what you gotta do. I'm here no matter how nasty this is. I don't care what the devil's telling me. I don't care what they're saying about me in the press. I don't care what happened. I'm gonna sit right here because when it's my time to be made whole, I need you to understand that I'm gonna launch you into a dimension that not only you have never seen, but generations before you never saw it. God is trying to get you to somewhere that your ancestors have never seen. Your ancestors died in the wilderness. God is saying, hey, I'm gonna take you to the promised land if you will go through this process. Here's the last thing I'm gonna say, and I'm gonna pass it off to Pastor John. He's one of my heroes. My heroes, and I have so much respect for him. He's He's been there for me. We've had some really difficult conversations that I'm very proud that I have him as my pastor. I'm very proud of my best friend, Tom Foster, that's been with me no matter what happens, uh, no matter how dark the nights get. Uh, but here's what, I'm gonna leave you with this, this thing. Had the Israelites not gone through the cutting in Gilgal, there had never have been a shout at Jericho. There would have never been a shout in Jericho. And my question right now is, are you stopping your shout? I haven't arrived yet. But I, I'm starting to be able to see Jericho on the horizon. It's almost time to go buy my wife and kids some marching boots because we got something to go march around. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to C3SanDiego.com.